New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's Cloud with another podcast. I know a lot of y'all listen to this podcast daily as part of your routine, and I think that's amazing. And so we're so glad that you're back with us. Uh, maybe you're joining us for the first time, uh, or you're you're just now staying, staying in tune because this particular set, we kind of divide the podcast up as companions to whatever series we're in. And so we're in the series that's leading up to Easter, and we've titled that series Never Lost. And so we're going through the series as well as this podcast. We're, we're going through a bunch of different stories that talk about how God has never lost. And all those uh, events and stories throughout the whole book of the Bible, throughout all Scripture, has been leading up to, and God has been weaving that story together to point to Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection that we see at Easter. And so today we're looking at Abraham and Isaac, and that's a story you're all probably familiar with. But, you know, if you're listening to this, the day that this podcast drops, you know, when it comes out, it's you're, you're, you're listening to it today, then I, the sermon that's on this text is only a few days away. And so I wanted to read the text today. We're in Genesis 22, 1 through 19, the story of Abraham and Isaac. I want to read that text in its entirety and then do a deep dive into something that's usually not talked about, especially in sermons. We, we tend to gloss over that. Um, and so I, I thought, you know, well, the podcast an opportunity to do that. We can do a little deep dive. So I consider this an extra, you know, whether it's a preview, listening to this to the day uh, it comes out or it's after the sermon, you want to take a deep dive. And so you've probably heard this story before. We're going to kind of sit on one point and uh, think a little harder on that. And it could be a little difficult. And so uh, let's go ahead and read it. And this is Genesis 22, uh, verses 1 through 19. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back to you again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father... And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, saying, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. 
So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, quote, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided, end quote. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived there. So coming right out of this, I, it's probably a story we've all heard. And uh, if you think about it, you know, I know we've heard, maybe you grew up in church, you probably heard that in Sunday school as a kid. But it's kind of it's kind of a dark story. I mean, there's there's some, some deeper questions there. And um, obviously, you know, you're going to hear in the sermon this Sunday, and you, you may have already heard that, but this obviously, it's it's a victory. Like, God's providing, you know, there's tension there, there's rising tension, and then there's resolution, but there's it's darkness because it's like, wow, okay, there's a death about to happen, and we may have heard that this story over and over again to kind of get desensitized to it, but imagine, like, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I can imagine, you know, imagine your parent, and it's like, hey, you know, you need to go stab your kid and burn him on an altar, like, that's dark. Uh, th- there's there's tension there. There's, uh, you know, I'm using air quotes, but it's a quote problem. Like, what do we do with this? Because, you know, I, I don't I don't understand how to reconcile. Like, God is good and God is loving and God is gracious and we have this weird command. And and so obviously, at the end of the day, that the point is, this is pointing to Jesus. It's all been about Jesus and God has never lost and he never will. And throughout the story of scripture, we see that never lost you know, that that victory uh, paradigm being showing up all the time throughout all these stories. And you hear it. It's like, you know, on the third day, he blah, 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 blah. Like, it's on the third day. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Like, you know, God's only, it's pointing to Jesus. And so so I just think that's really cool how that story is weaved together. But as far as the deep dive and the difficult part the, of this text, it's like, wow, you ever really thought about this, especially if you're talking with an unbeliever or your own heart, maybe, sometimes can get kind of skeptical. What's that self-talk? What are, what are you, you know, seeing in, in Scripture? Are you, are you using the rest of Scripture to apply to that? You know, maybe as I'm using an air quote problem. And so when you think about this, I think, and I just kind of a, a catchphrase that I've kind of heard from some other people, you know, and maybe our own hearts will do this. When we read a story like this, there's immediately like this, this, it's, it's almost like a defense mechanism. We want to stand up and defend God, but there's, there's something that it's like, wow, that, why is God asking a parent to kill their child? Like that doesn't, that sounds totally out of step with everything that the rest of, I know God is good. And so, well, I'm, I, I got to defend God right now. I mean, and then they say something like, quote, you know, hey, God would never do that. God would never do that. And I think we need to be careful when we say that because, well, first of all, you're right. Like, there's there's something to that. Like, I don't think the application from this text is that parents should ever raise a hand to their child. You know, God in that sense would never ask you to, to kill your child. I just don't think there's, there's nothing in the rest of Scripture that would point to that, that that's how God operates. God's not going to ask you to do that. And, and clearly, we knew it was a test. Abraham, Abraham didn't know it was a test at the time. We know it's a test. We know that that's not actually going to happen. God is going to provide the, the ram that's in that thicket. 
And so, again, that's a picture that points to Jesus. And I was doing some studying. This is the only time, as far as I can see, in Scripture where there's been an active command, like, hey, you go do this, and then God rescinded that command just moments before it took place. You know, it's a test. And so, in that sense, yes, like, God, he didn't do that. He wasn't planning on doing that. Like, he had planned to provide all along. But Abraham didn't know that, and so... Hebrews actually sheds a little more light on this about how we can can view it. So it says in chapter 11, verse 17, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises, he was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So God has already made a promise. So God can't break his promises. So Abraham knew that. And then in verse 19, it says, He considered that God was able to raise him back from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So here in, in verse 19 of chapter 11 of Hebrews, it says, like Abraham, he knew God can't contradict himself, that God had already promised that it was through Isaac that you know all the nations would be blessed. Uh, there's another picture that points to Jesus. Jesus is the eventual seed, and it's the Great Commission that blesses all the nations. So there's already the gospel through that promise, but Abraham knew that God won't break his promises, and so he didn't understand how it would work out. He just understood that it would work out, and and he trusts God as the promiser and the character of God, and it says he would be able to raise him back from the dead. So I think Abraham is like, well, I, I don't understand why God would ask, ask me to do this. It sounds contradictory. It sounds like it actually sounds a little harsh for God to, like, why would God ask you to kill your kid? But he's like, well, he, he must raise him from the dead. <laughs> and so I think that's amazing that, again, points to Jesus. Abraham saw the doctrine of the resurrection before there had been anything up to this point in Genesis. Like, this is the first book of the Bible. There hadn't been anything to show that. So he, he was one of the first people that ever believed the doctrine of the resurrection. And that's what we look forward to on Easter. But I want to go back again to that um, problem. I'm using air quotes again. So that 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 statement that's like, "Hey, God would never do that," and it, it, we need to be careful. Like, there's there's something to that there because, yeah, He's not asking you as a parent to kill your kid, but to say like, God doesn't need us to defend Him with this quote unquote problem, this theological problem that has been raised by this text. And so I think it's easy for some to say, "Hey, God would never do that." Well. Don't don't be so quick to defend God's character. It doesn't really need defending. Like again, Abraham knew that it would work out. He doesn't understand how, and so in some way, this must work out because God is good, obviously. And so, on the one hand, it's true. Like, yeah, God would never do that. But on the other hand, and this is kind of hard to see. It's not true because as hard as it is to understand, God would do something like that. He would eventually bring past the events that led to the death of His own Son. And if we think about that, there's still like, wow, okay, this is this is God, and I don't understand him fully, but look at this here in Acts chapter 2, verse 23. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you killed and crucified by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So Jesus and his death on the cross was God's plan. And Isaiah 53, verse 10, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. So God did do something like that in your place. It was the will of the Lord to crush Jesus. It was the will of the Lord 
to, to raise Jesus up. The second person of the Trinity saves us from the wrath of the first person of the Trinity. I don't understand that. I don't understand exactly how that works out. I just know that it works out. And that's a victory to worship a God that's so big, bigger than us that he, he doesn't need us to defend his character, but we do get to praise him and worship him through this picture of Jesus and, and why God would do something like that for us on our behalf. And so I hope that as we're leading up to Easter, when you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you've read this story. And as we've read the story and we think about this concept, that it encourages you and and really blows your mind. And, and this is the God that we worship. And, and as Jesus rises from the dead and we, we remember that fact this Easter, that you think of, wow, God, God he was the ram in the thicket. He was Isaac, and God actually went through it, and now I get to be in God's presence. And Jesus was raised from the death and defeated death and defeated the penalty of death. And wow, wow. And I hope that's your heart uh, today as we lead up to Easter. I hope you all uh, continue to read Scripture for yourself, dig into these. And if you have any questions, shoot me an email, andrew.cloud at newvisionlife.com. And you all have a great day, great week, and we'll, we'll see you this weekend. Have a good one. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.